Hello Gen Xers, good to see you back at the water cooler. It's been a crazy week for me, I apologize for being a couple days later and at the cooler than I normally am, but it's that time of the year when I'm just in and up to my elbows at work and it's been, uh, it's been a, a rough ride. Uh, but I got through it, and it's good to see you again. And you know, to be honest, uh, being able to talk to you is one of the things that kept me going. So good to see you. And in the meantime, a lot of uh, crazy nonsense kept going going on. As I was frantically trying to get my work done, I would see these things uh, come in, and um, I would just uh, you know think about. W- getting uh, your thoughts on on these things and what was what was going on but first things as i thought of a, a number of things that i i saw over the past week is i again i just wonder i, I can't help but just think maybe it's the gen x in me but what happened to people's cr- uh, critical thinking i just don't understand how people can't react in a more logical and understandable way uh, than what we see. It's just, it's one of those things that I just find very, very odd and bizarre. And I, I, I can't understand it. Um, for, first things first is a, the key example of all of that sort of nonsense is the, the Biden town hall that happened on CNN. I don't know if you saw it or were aware of it. Uh, apparently not many people saw it because, you know, CNN is still in the tank and, and their ratings suck. Uh, but uh, I, I, there were a couple of clips that I saw from that that just made me scratch my head, and I just don't understand what people see in this fool. Maybe it's just the Manchurian president nature of, of his presidency, and that they are, are fine with with this moron as long as they are are happy with the people behind the scenes that are pulling the strings. But honestly, I just don't get it. I just don't get it, Gen Xers. I just don't get it. Um, he just he spent a good bulk of that time just being rambling and incoherent. And when I say rambling and incoherent, I don't mean that in a figurative sense. I mean, it's it's in a very literal sense, just rambling and incoherent. The one quote that I've picked out for you, and I will read it verbatim. He This was in response to someone asking him a question about when will children under the age of 12 be allowed to receive the COVID vaccine? And this was his response. Verbatim. Okay, this is verbatim. President Joe Biden on July 21st, 2021. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, are... Why can't the experts say we know that this virus is, in fact, uh, um, it's going to be or excuse. We know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved and but permanently approved. That's underway, too. End quote. That is your president, Gen Xers. That is who is leading us in the free world, um, I, that's, that's our guy. That's him. That's, that's who we have. Oh boy. Uh, I, I just, I, I, it's one of those things where you hear him speak and you hear enough politicians speak and you are pretty sure that you know where they're going with it. You have a good idea of the point they're trying to make. 
But then for the life of you, when you tune that out and you actually listen to the words coming out of their mouths, you think, what are you saying? <laughs> it's just a bunch of gobbledygook. And and that is this president to a T. And I, I just, if, if it weren't so sad and frightening, it would be actually funny. Um, but it's almost not funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. I just, it's just, it's crazy. Um, but that's, that's what we get. That's what we get for, for, uh, electing someone of such obvious limited capabilities. But again, I, where, where's the critical thinking on this? Where, how is the entire country not recoiling? I don't know. Um, further on the moron train, this past week, the CDC revised their mask guidelines again, and I just, I, again, if, if people were thinking critically, I think there'd be some more pushback on this, and it seems like there might be, even in some CNN circles and some other areas where you haven't seen pushback, there seems to be a little bit, so we can hold out hope, but now they are advising more uh, mask guidelines, more mask mandates, and even among those who have received the vaccine. Again, it just makes me ask the question, we asked it last week, is what's the goal here? I mean, what, what has changed over the past however many weeks that has made this necessary? And, and you can say Delta variant, but it's, just, it's a variant. It's not the thing. It's not something new and novel. It's a variant. So what has changed? What is the science on masks that has changed now because if you look at the statistics no matter if it's a state in the in the United States or Japan anywhere where you track the number of cases and death rates and you take at a point in time when mask mandates were in effect in every single one of those cases, the mask mandates will be right on the front of a huge spike. Now, again, that's not to say that these masks are causing these spikes, but what it, it clearly means is masking just certainly does not prevent spikes, which, again, is, again, is that the goal? What's the goal? I mean, is the goal that we don't have any more positive tests? Is the goal that we don't overrun hospitals? Is the goal that people don't die is the goal that this goes away entirely i don't know no one has has articulated that but implicitly the goal seems to be at least in the short term that we need to have no more positive tests and quite frankly that's just never going to happen it's just never ever going to happen and as long as any of us gen xers are alive this thing is here now it's not going away it's not going to be eradicated. This is not polio. This is not smallpox. This is not something that we can eradicate with vaccines and mask wearing. It's here. It's part of our human condition now. And I don't understand why we can't just focus on protecting the vulnerable, having them receive vaccines for sure. And it seems to be that those communities have very high vaccination rates, which is what I would think we'd want. But I, we're just never, ever, ever, ever going to get zero positive cases again. It's just not going to happen. But again, I want someone to explain to me what is the change. And if, if science evolves like Fauci has said, 
then they should be able to articulate to us what exactly changed to make these science change, whether it's vaccines or masks or social distancing or whatever. What has changed? Because right now their, um, their agenda is completely incoherent and you've certainly lost me and, and you've, your credibility with me is gone. I don't trust the CDC for a second on anything. I sure as hell don't trust Dr. Fauci on anything, and they are simply more than a joke, and I just don't get it. And you, you just can't simply survive on saying, follow the science, follow the science, follow the science, and think that that's some mic drop, you know? And it's, it, it's kind of to the point where it reminds me of, you know, we Gen Xers when we were when we were younger and we're frustrated with our parents or even now, I know I, I use this quite often, but when you're just at the end of, of, of having that interaction, you say, oh, whatever, right? Isn't that the, one of the most Gen X responses ever? Whatever, uh, whatever. And there's always kind of like an implied middle finger in that whatever, right? You say, fine, whatever, end of story. Now the the this whole follow the science seems to be that same thing. There seems to be like an an, an implicit middle finger in, in them saying, "Well, just follow the science," which means I'm done talking about, it, I'm done debating, and I'm done trying to be able to defend this because I can't. So just follow the science. But that's where we are. Now speaking of follow the science, one of the main things that just irritates me to no end with the follow the science crowd are the climate alarmists. I just can't take it. I just can't take it. It's, you know, I'm just beyond the point of being able to tolerate it. And, you know, it's just like that irritating sister-in-law. You just simply can't take it anymore. And I don't mean that, that cool sister-in-law that's the ex-NFL cheerleader. I'm talking about, you know, that awful, annoying, spoiled sister-in-law with the STDs and the mental illness and, and all of the all of the sleeping around, but you just, I just can't tolerate it. You know, just, just like that sister-in-law, you just, you just can't, you just can't put up with it. Because in our lifetime, the client alarmists narrative has changed all every so many years. And the ultimate prediction of these is always the same. It's, you know, the wiping out of humanity, the, lack of access to food and people are going to die and whatever, right? So it started when we were kids, not with with climate change and global warming and droughts and all those sort of apocalyptic predictions, but the oncoming ice age. And I found this clip that just reminded me of all you fellow Gen Xers from a news story, I believe this is CBS News, from 1978. So I want to play this and see if this rings any bells to you. In the past million years, it has advanced and retreated with clockwork regularity. If we are unprepared for the next advance, the result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. In 1977, the worst winter in a century struck the United States. 
Arctic cold gripped the Midwest for weeks on end. Great blizzards paralyzed cities of the Northeast. One desperate night in Buffalo, eight people froze to death in marooned cars. Pat Bushnell was on the road that night. Traffic just absolutely stopped. I was afraid of being stuck in the car all night long with the uh, cold and the wind running out of gas. And then what? I think that if we had to go through a real bad winter, just like we just went through, I think we'd have to think about moving someplace else. Move where? The brutal Buffalo winter might become common all over the United States. Climate experts believe the next ice age is on its way. According to recent evidence, it could come sooner than anyone had expected. At weather stations in the far north, temperatures have been dropping for 30 years. Seacoasts, long free of summer ice, are now blocked year-round. According to some climatologists, within a lifetime, we might be living in the next ice age. Of the nine planets in our solar system, only Earth has conditions favorable to human life. How great is that? <laughs> I heard that and I, after laughing, reminded me of all you fellow Gen Xers here. First couple of t- takeaways from that. How great was that music? <laughs> Does that just remind you of so many of those film strips that we'd see as kids in 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 class and and with the distorted audio and the and the jumping of the film strip? Absolutely fantastic, and uh, it, it just just a lot of a lot of fun memories from it. But a couple of things that really stuck out to out to me is now a a grizzled old uh, Gen Xer. Looking back on that, I remember seeing and hearing that kind of stuff as a kid and being absolutely terrified of the prospect of an oncoming ice age. But when there are a couple of things that you hear in that clip, there you hear the exact opposite now, where at one point he said climate experts and climatologists believe that within a lifetime we could be living in a new polar ice age or where they said that inhabitable inhabitable areas in the earth will be a a a frozen desert an arctic desert or something like that just this doom and gloom right and and of course the empirical data that they use was a unusually cold winter in buffalo <laughs> of course they do which is again what they do now right in any time there is a a hot spell. Anytime there is a, a storm of some kind, they, they always come out of the woodwork. See, see, here's climate change. Here's climate change. <sighs> and I just, I, I'm always exasperated because I always remember this clip among others when we were kids where we were told in our lifetime that we would be facing the threat of an oncoming ice age. And then the narrative completely flipped. But the outcome prediction was eerily the same. But just like the oncoming Ice Age prediction in our lifetime and the hockey stick diagrams of the late 80s and early 90s, none of these doom and gloom predictions from these climate experts have come true, which just makes you wonder, 
as a critical thinking Gen Xer. And along with the CDC and Fauci's predictions, I mean, if, if these guys, none of their predictions are true and they tell you, well, it's science, follow the science and their science proves out to be bunk. Why, why are we listening to these fools? Right? Why are we? I'm not. And if, if I know you, if you're anything like me, I doubt that you are too. All right. More along the ridiculous train, uh, the sham of these Gen, Gen 6 probes are, are going on. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this, but, oh, the melodrama theater is something. Holy cow. Watching these grandstanding politicians tear up and cry is just, it's more than I can bear. I, I just can't take it. I can't watch that nonsense. Um, just acting like, you know, this is the, 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 this insurrection, as they call it, is the, the biggest threat to our democracy and this, this and that and the other. You know, I, I just, again, I, I, I can't take hypocrisy. I can't take someone with a double standards, especially one as blatant as this. I mean, you can think back to me as so many other instances now in the face of, of them saying that this was the worst assault on our capital and our freedom since the civil war. I mean, you can have any number of instances where, you know, there were some bombings and violence at the U S Capitol and elsewhere in DC. I mean, you can just call back to a couple years ago during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings where a bunch of pink hat clad, angry feminists were banging on the doors in in Congress where they were holding hearings for Brett Kavanaugh. During those hearings, they were banging on the doors and screaming. You know, they weren't allowed to do it. I mean, they were trespassing, much like the Jan 6 folks, and interrupting a hearing to confirm a Supreme Court justice. None of that was considered an insurrection. None of that was considered illegal. But uh, not you wouldn't know that hearing these uh, these grown men crying on the stand, and some even saying with a straight face that the January sixth nonsense was worse than the entire summer of BLM riots last year. With a straight face, they'll say that, and I just I can't I can't take it with these people. I can't, and it's even more galling. When you, when you think of how many people died in those riots, how many people died and lost livelihoods in those riots, where you had a bunch of people on January 6th act, acting a fool. You have a Capitol Police officer shooting and killing Ashley Babbitt at, at Point Blank Range. Um, a bunch of people acting like clowns, carrying off stuff from Pelosi's office. And, what? No, okay, they shouldn't have done it. I get it. I, I don't think they were in the right for a second. But to say that this was insurrection and a, an assault on our freedoms when people are just acting the fool and taking Instagram photos and whatever, I mean, I just, I, I can't take it. What I do think is an assault on our freedoms are all of the governors, like Governor Cuomo of New York, amongst others, are having any kind of probe dropped of them putting sick COVID-riddled patients into nursing homes and killing thousands, tens of thousands of people. But they will face zero consequence. They will face zero inquiry. 
because the Justice Department has dropped any kind of investigation into their culpability. But Jan 6 is the worst assault on our democracy since the Civil War. You have people who are in jail since January 6 awaiting trial for 18-month long punishments and sentences. That must go on. But the probe into governors killing people and not utilizing resources that the federal government was providing so that they so that Trump would look bad and they would try to blame all the bad that was happening on a sitting president. That is all fine. But a bunch of of flag waving goofballs acting the fool at the Capitol, that is an insurrection. I just can't take it with these fools. I just can't. I can't do it. And yet, as an example, this past week, these same fools who are up there crying or whatever are proposing a, a, a new provision that would mandate that women register themselves for the draft. Now, all of us, and when we returned 18, you know, we have to run to the post office and sign up for the selective service. Now, we haven't had a draft since, you know, the Vietnam era, but it's always been a provision ever since then to it's require that that men, when they turn the age of 18, register for the, you know, the, the selective service. Or so if, if need be, then they would use that to, you know, to, to call up uh, people and, and draft them for whatever reason. Now, they want women to do that. I don't know if this is what, I mean, is this really what we want? I mean, do we want our daughters signing up for the draft? Do we want our daughters being conscripted to serve in the dra- in the military? No, I don't want my sons to, to do it, but I mean, if... If a draft came, I wouldn't. I would rather you know my able-bodied boys do it than having my daughter um, being forced to serve in the military. And that's not to say that women shouldn't serve in the military or that women don't do any anything valuable in the military. Of course they do. But when it comes to a an involuntary draft, I'm that's I don't know that that's what what we want to do. Although to be fair, I mean, if if we're going to be requiring any kind of service, then that may maybe that's what we do. I, I believe Israel requires everybody, male and female, to have you know, spend time serving in the military. But I, I mean, that's a real thing now, guys. That you know they are proposing having women register for the draft. I just I I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, they continue to be throwing money at people, you know, the, people with businesses and with minimum wage positions that, that they would like to fill aren't able to fill any of that. I mean, if you've gone to a, a restaurant or you know anywhere that would have somebody making either minimum wage or somewhere around that, you know, a hotel, I mean, it's it's tough to see you know, any kind of service that you know, we've been used to in the past, and yeah, mainly because the benefits that have been given by the, this administration far outweigh the, the benefits that people get from going to work. You know, they, they're making more sitting around than they would actually going into work. And in fact, there was a poll that came out that said like 1.8 million people 
have turned down jobs so that they can remain unemployed. But again, if that's that's what happens when you have a an incoherent, rambling president whose administration drops inquiries into governors who are directly responsible for for people dying in nursing homes, and they keep contradicting themselves as far as guidance regarding mask wearing or what in, in anything else. So I mean, they've completely lost all credibility with me, and I just don't want to freaking hear it anymore. All right. Last thing, I want to talk about the you know, the dust up with Simone Biles and the Olympics. Now, to be fair, this is you know, something that in the past I would have had zero interest in because I don't really like gymnastics. That's not my thing. If you do, awesome, that's great. But is for me in the past never was. But I have a little girl who's a gymnast, and I've gone to so many more gymnastics meets than I ever imagined I would have when I was a teenager, uh, and and I can now, I have a newfound appreciation for it and, and the things and amazing things that these athletes can do, and so I found myself watching some of you know, the U.S. trials and the Olympics with my daughter and, and just watching some of the things they do and, and being able to appreciate it in a new way, so that's been that's been fun. And in that, of course, you know, whenever Simone Biles came on, that you know perked up our our interest, and we we would watch watch her and just be in awe with what she can do. The the, the level of strength and athleticism that that woman has is just something to behold. I, I think she's only like four foot eight, but she's like twenty four years old, and she and she's been doing this for a long time, and it's been great for a long time, and it's just amazing to watch her. Now we did notice, though, there were a couple times during the U.S. Championships where, you know, she would wobble a bit on the beam, or she would go out of bounds on the floor, and just make mistakes that we're not used to seeing, and it would be weird. And not because we expect her to be perfect, but to be honest, we're just not used to seeing her make a mistake. I mean, she's been that good, right? Where she, where you see her make some obvious mistake to the untrained eye, you know, like us. And, you know, she would just kind of be making these mistakes. And I found it kind of peculiar, but at the same time, I think, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, she's just trying to, um, trying to make the Olympic team and just qualify. It's kind of a formality because she is really that good. And then once she gets to the Olympics, then she'll be able to flip the switch, turn it on and just dominate like, you know, we know she can and like we've seen it in the past, right? So that's kind of more or less what we expected. But then on the first day of watching it, you know, we, we weirdly saw her make mistakes that we weren't used to her, her making it. It was just kind of strange, you know? And then came the day when she withdrew from the competition and there has been a lot that's been said um, as, as uh, a response to, to her withdrawals because it, it also became known that um, she did so more not for anything uh, physical, but it was more mental. Right? And, and as in, you know, a former athlete and as, as a father of a, of a gymnast, I, I can get it, right? We, when, you can get, when you get that kind of a mental block and you just don't perform the way you're used to, you're just not at your best, and it's just, you're just in a funk, right? It's, it's it, it kind of, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's just, you know you can do it, and it's just for whatever reason, 
between your brain and your body from what you're used to doing. You're just not. And it's, and it's very, very weird. And to hear her describe, you know, what was going on for me, that that's how I related to it, where it seemed like that's what was going on. And, and that, and for her, you know, she was, you know, said something along the lines that it was kind of scary being up in the air and not knowing where you are. And she was worried that she was going to injure herself. And I totally, totally understand that. And I can respect that because I, my daughter relates to this more than I do, certainly, but I don't know what it's like to be going on a vault and doing all these twists in midair and, and need to find your way back down and, and stick the landing and so on. But I, so, so on that, I, I can appreciate that, you know, she is not in a space where she can do what she thinks she can do. And she may even think that, Hey, I'm I not only am not going to be able to do what I, I can't do, I'm, maybe I'm hurting the team here. Maybe if I keep doing this and I'm not scoring the way I'm, I'm accustomed to, then I'm going to be a detriment to my team. So there could be that. And, and she decided to step aside and withdraw. And to all of that, I can say, you know, I respect that. And and like I said before, I'm going to be contradicting myself left and right. I know that. I get it. But I'm hopefully I will get my nuanced uh, thoughts on on Simone uh, uh, Claire. But again, this, I think the decision to withdraw is hers alone. Because there was some initial backlash that's saying, you know, she's letting down the country. She's not going to be able to earn the gold medal for the team. This, this, and that. And I think, dude, who are you? <laughs> she doesn't owe you a thing. She, I mean, this is a a quote-unquote amateur athlete. She doesn't owe you anything. She doesn't owe me anything. <laughs> Nothing. She's there representing herself and her family and her country. I get it. But she doesn't owe us anything. She doesn't owe us a medal. She doesn't owe us anything like that. That They can they can spare me. Um, some have said, again, regarding the mental health stuff, is it you know, some after effects because of her... Uh, trauma from Larry Nasser and those um, those investigations and the trial and everything that I mean I cannot speak to that and I would just certainly hope not because if if it is I mean if the trauma that she experienced from him is that severe that she's unable to do what she loves the most several years later I mean that would be sad and tragic and I just I again I can't judge that all I know is I hope it's not now there are also some people who are kind of making her a hero for this. They're saying, "Wow, good, good on you. Good, we need to be talking about this stuff more." And blah blah blah. Does it exactly make her a hero? Eh, I don't know. Again, I, like I said, she's. It's all within her rights to say yes. I'm going to compete. No, I'm not going to. Right? That's her call. Her call alone. Um, and, but I think we should stop somewhat short of lionizing her for this and calling her a hero for it so that's that now the other on the flip side of all that what what definitely can't be overlooked and what comes with being called the greatest of all time is the expectations that you perform to your reputation now it's not really her fault that she has that tag you know, the, it's really more the media that has crowned her as the GOAT, you know, going into it, into the competition, all the vignettes from NBC Sports, 
we're calling her the goal and the greatest ever and, and interviewing her talking what was it like to be the greatest ever and blah, 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 blah. I mean, she didn't choose that. That's not her, at least not that I'm aware of. That's not some PR team that's trying to pimp her up and hold her up to this unrealistic standard. I, I, that's more kind of the me, the media and this once every four years, plus one in this case, building this up. Not That is totally not her fault. But, 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 I'm going to contradict myself here. Um, should we be praising people for weakness? I know that sounds really harsh. That sounds really judgmental. Um, but, I mean, we used to be a culture that put a premium on greatness. We put a premium on excellence. We put a premium on people overcoming adversities. And as you know, someone who follows sports as much as I have throughout my life, you know, I've seen many indications or instances of people who pushed through. What some it's more um, mental um, it, anguish or personal loss, some physical injuries, but they would push through on some level and achieve some great thing, right? And that becomes the stuff of legend, right? Whether it's you know Michael Jordan's flu game or Willis Reed coming off the bench or you know Monica Sell is coming back from being stabbed. Any number of of cases, these these world class great athletes come back and perform better than you would expect. Like Tiger Woods, uh, you know, a couple of years ago coming back to win the Masters after he had been you know injured and and you know not at the top of his game for so long, right? These guys have people have, and athletes have come back and done these great things. And I think Simone was kind of in that spot, right? She was in this, in this, had this opportunity where she wasn't at her best. She had this block and she could have been legend, even more than her reputation already had her at. And she didn't, right? She kind of failed in that regard, right? She, she withdrew. She didn't lead her team to a medal. She didn't lead her team to a gold and, and, I believe she's kind of bowed out of all the individual events too, the individual all around, the individual disciplines, and she's not going to receive the accolades and awards that she probably expected coming into this. And now that, again, I, with, without being too harsh, you know, that's something that comes with being one of these generational talents and these the all-time greats. And again, she didn't choose the moniker of the GOAT, but, you know, if, if you want to, you know, live up to it and even exceed it, this would have been the opportunity to do it. Now, along the, as, as I say that, too, you have to acknowledge that, you know, they, there were reports of how the scoring had been adjusted for her, right? Which I, I don't necessarily understand. I think it sounds ridiculous if what I heard, but, you know, there were many people that were upset that, Simone Biles had been penalized for almost being too good, right? Where her scores were scaled down due to how dominant she had been. But this is exactly what equity looks like, right? When we we look at our broader social context, there's this notion of equity, um, whether it's academics or or socially. This is what equity looks like. You have this all-time great athlete, this all-time great gymnast, who is penalized essentially for being too good right and it's pretty obvious watching something like that thinking that's not fair (laughs) why are you punishing her for being awesome that's again we used to praise that we used to put that and elevate it and hold it as a standard 
So again, that's yeah. I I can I can forgive all of that though. I don't think any any of that in my eyes would have me look at her any less than I did going into this. I wouldn't judge her harshly for it. I would be able to understand and contextualize all of that and say, yeah, I get it. Why, why all that, how she reacted that way, why she responded that way. I, I, I get it. I get it. And all things being considered, I'm not going to hold that against her. But there is one small nagging notion that I, I couldn't shake. And I don't know for one second that is the case here. I think in in all respects it probably is not but i have seen this many other times and i think it's kind of a byproduct of specialization as far as sports goes um, where you know when we were kids we would play any number of sports and now everything's so specialized you know like simone and just dedicating her entire life to doing gymnastics or someone dedicating their entire life to training in baseball or swimming or whatever and I think a lot of cases where you have someone who's exceptionally talented, this rare generational uh, talent, it comes in along and they are just so accustomed to winning and dominating. And then someone else comes up and they're not at their best or someone might be just a little bit better and they start to not be the best. And they don't know how to handle it, right? They don't, they've never experienced failure They've never experienced that kind of ad- adversity and they don't know what to do. And I think it's very possible that this might have been ultimately what happened to poor Simone Biles, right? Where she just building up to this Olympics. And, you know, these are things that are obviously not her fault, but having, you know, the pandemic and not being able to train the way she normally was and do this a year after she expected to. Not quite as crisp and sharp as she was used to. And maybe seeing some of these other girls were either as good or maybe even a little better than she was. And that played on her mind a little bit. That made the distractions and everything that much more. And it was that much more difficult for her to do it. And being not used to that, just kind of shut down and wasn't able to compete. I don't know. I I think ultimately that might be where I kind of lie on it. Um, And that's not necessarily a criticism for her it's maybe something where i can just kind of understand where she was coming from again i don't think she owed any of us anything but again i don't think she's necessarily a hero either so i, I don't against like all things you know the truth is somewhere in the middle I, I don't think we need to call her the goat or a goat i think it's you know somewhere somewhere in between i think we can be fair and still recognize you know, her talents at least be appreciative of what she did accomplish, but falling short of making her a hero for, you know, for this past Olympics. But I digress. Anyway, it's been good to see you guys again. I've missed you. Hopefully we can get back to our, a little bit more of our regular schedule and uh, get our, our drinks of water a little more consistently. Consistently. But until then, enjoy your the rest of your week and your weekend and keep working hard. Keep doing what you're doing as we flip the calendar into the month of August. And I will see you next time. Shout out to Hannah Barbera and stay cool, Janet.